0: Hey, Ginger, so I hear you're looking for stories about how to retire well, and you've got me thinking. Um, Of course, it's my dream to be a retired lotto winner, and I'm quietly devastated that that hasn't happened yet. Because that's the dream, right? For people around Australia and around the world to just get that wad of cash and then do whatever we want. So I don't want to let go of it, but I'm also a realist and I've got to have a plan B. And I guess for now, um, that's to keep selling my soul um, as a public servant in exchange for a good income and good super.
1: I love that. Aim for the improbable, but have a plan B up your sleeve. I know Priscilla's joking, but she did get me thinking, how much are we all thinking about our retirement plans? We might dream about what we'll do when we don't have to turn up to work day in, day out. But are we truly planning our futures so
0: that we can enjoy retirement? I've been doing Pilates for a really long time, and that's something that I would like to keep up um, through to retirement and beyond uh, to help me maintain mobility and my active lifestyle. But I'm really keen after retirement to transform into a grey nomad um, and travel around Australia taking photos with my giant iPad at regional museums. However I do hope I can travel in a little bit more style than a jam-packed greyhound bus.
1: Pilates, giant iPads, travelling in style, all of that requires a disposable income and once you're retired how much will you wish that you had saved to retire well? And that's if retirement is even an option for you.
0: Yeah, you know, For a woman with a disability who's lived on a disability pension and has never really been able to engage in full time work, something such as you know retiring well or even retiring hasn't been something that I've really thought of. I've never had the ability to put aside money in into a super account or for my retirement. That's Nicole, and her
1: experience is actually the reality for a lot of Australians, particularly women. It's one thing to idolise retirement as a time for freedom and leisure, but are we actually trying to make that a reality? The thing is, to retire well, we need to know how much to save and then trust that we won't run out of money when we're in our 80s.
2: People think in terms of, I've got this accumulated money in my fund and I don't know whether that's going to be enough or too much or how it works, what does that actually mean in terms of the income I will be receiving in retirement? Will it be enough? Will it be secure? All those things are not actually told to people clearly. And also when you reach retirement, people aren't then properly informed about, well, what do I do now? What's the best way of using this money I've got? And and without that proper advice, it's apparent that people are doing things which actually aren't in their best interests.
1: That's Andrew Podger. He's Honorary Professor of Public Policy in ANU's Crawford School and also a Fellow of the Academy of the Social Sciences in Australia. In 2020, the Federal Government got the results of its Independent Retirement Income Review, also known as the Callahan Report. <laughs> The review concluded that Australia's retirement income system is effective and its costs are broadly sustainable. Yay! But it raised concerns and Professor Podger shares them that not enough Australians understand the superannuation and aged pension systems. And yes, I'll put my hand up and say I'm one of those people. It's so complicated. And does it really need to be? This is Seriously Social. I'm Ginger Gorman. And for the next two episodes, we'll look at how to retire well. Next time, we'll find out how to make the most of our twilight years. But first, how to make sure we can afford them.
2: those who have reached retirement, uh, we've known for some time that the tendency is for people to hang on to that money in the fund and uh, to be nervous of drawing it down. There is a a fear that I might run out, therefore I better not use much of it. That's the the problem that people are hanging on to the money when they ought to be confidently using it and, and enhancing their retirement standard living.
1: In other words, how long will you live past 65 or 67 or whatever the retirement age is when your time comes? The average life expectancy in Australia is about 82 years. So that's a little under 20 years that you need to save for. But it's not unusual now to live into your 90s. So that's 10 more years that you might not have planned for.
2: If I try to manage that risk on my own, by definition, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm either going to run out before I die or I'm going to have money left over that I didn't really mean to leave over. I mean, it's nothing wrong with people deciding to leave money for their estates, but they're, they're leaving there not because they decided, it's because that's the way it turned out.
1: And you can't take it with you, <laughs>
2: you know. That's right. One of the things that uh, Callahan recommends, which I totally agree with, is that The funds should be telling you not only this is how much money you've got now, but if you have got that amount of money and you're age 44 and you're putting in so much a year at the moment, when you reach 60 or 67, our best estimate is that you'll have this amount of money and that will turn into the equivalent of so much a year in annual income. So, so you have a sense of what does this mean in terms of my income when I retire and that that ought to be in terms of a retirement income that's secure, that is, that you know it's going to last until you die, uh, that, that, that that calculation, an estimate, of course, uh, ought to be made by the funds and told to you, particularly for those who are aged, say, 50 on.
1: That would be really helpful because not only am I not clear on how much I need in total, I don't really even have a good grasp on how much I would need week to week when I'm a retiree.
2: The retirement income system is all about how do you maintain in your retirement years the standard of living that you got used to by that time. So you hope that the money set aside will let you maintain that living standard in broad terms. The benchmark is that you should be looking to uh, an income in retirement that is about 65 to 75% of your income before retirement, in net net terms, after-tax terms.
1: So what needs to change to make us more confident and carefree in our retirement?
2: The first suggestion is that the funds be required to present to you not just how much money you've got, and how much that's changed over the last 12 months. But given what you've got now, your age, and the rate at which you are contributing at the moment, what you are likely to have at retirement in terms of the secure income that is likely to be generated and how that relates to your income today. So you get a sense of, given where you are at 44, how much money you've got, that might deliver you about 20% or 25%. But in another 20 years or 22 years of contributing the way you're contributing and, and given the compound interest of what you've got, that might turn into 45% or 50%. And then then you say, well, is that going to be enough for me? Am I going to be able to eligible for some age pension, which might push me up a little bit uh, or not? And, and that helps you then to work out, should I be supplementing my money, my my contributions beyond what the government is requiring me to contribute?
1: Andrew, you've said that if you have a lot of super, it's probably not a problem because you'll not need to access the age pension. And then if you have little superannuation, that's possibly also not a problem because you will get the pension. But there's a problem in the middle there, isn't there, for middle-income earners in between. Some of them might have a bit of super, some of them might have a house, but what's the issue do you see for those people in the middle there?
2: In the Callaghan report, he talks about the need for what he calls cohesion, that is some cohesion between your superannuation arrangements and the age pension arrangements in particular. Now, the big problem with that at the moment is that the means test arrangements are not conducive to being able to work out easily how much I'm going to have in total of my superannuation income and my age pension income. But the assets test has a taper which is particularly harsh.
1: Don't worry if you're starting to get lost here. Super is dense and once you get into the nitty-gritty of it, it's really hard to feel like you'll ever grasp it. And that's exactly why the Callaghan Report has called for a need to improve your understanding of the system. So trust me. It's in your interest to keep listening.
2: If I've got assets above the the assets test threshold, somewhere over $350,000, for every extra $1,000 I have in my superannuation, uh, I'm going to lose $78 in my pension, $3 a fortnight of my pension, $78 a year. Well, $78 loss for every $1,000 extra savings is a pretty tough picture. Now... If my superannuation I'm meant to be drawing down, say somebody says I really ought to be taking about 10% a year if I'm really going to use it up, I'm still only getting $22 for every extra $1,000 of income. If if I'm more conservative and say, look, I'm not willing to take 10% a year, Uh, I'm actually going to take the minimum the government uh, requires me to take, and that's about 5%, right, that's $50, I'm actually going backwards by $28 for every $1,000. Now, it would be actually silly to only take 5% out. You really ought to be taking, you know, 8 to 10% out a year. But the amount you get in net terms is so small, people are going to start to say, is it worth my while putting money aside, it's going to cost me now, when I'm not going to get all that much return at the margin when I retire? So there is a big issue about getting the means test right, and it's not right at the moment.
1: You know, when I asked around to find out how much other people are thinking about funding retirement, a lot of people seemed kind of okay about pleading ignorance. Many people have super as set and forget, but we have to pay closer attention. The Productivity Commission in 2019 found Australians pay more than $30 a year in super fees, and that's excluding insurance premiums. It is important, but at the same time, it's really hard to focus and get excited about it when it seems so far into the future, and it's also so complex. But Mel was one of the exceptions.
3: My feelings, I guess, uh, towards my super is, I think it was like another bank account. I have however many thousands in my regular everyday savings account and whatnot. And what's in your super, it's much the same thing. It is your money at the end of the day.
1: He's actually kind of obsessed with planning his retirement and he's only 35.
3: So I'm not obsessively checking on it or anything like that. I'm not actively planning a retirement or Anything of that nature, it's just more, I keep an eye on it. So by the time I retire, I'll probably be looking in the region of the two Milmar, I would say. Um, if I continue to work um, and uh, I'll obviously earn an income and my income grows by the rate that I'm expecting it to grow at and buy some sort of stuff. So by the time, in the next 20 to 25 years, I expect to be... I expect it to be around that sort of two million mark, two and a half million mark thereabouts. Um, that's my end goal. Yeah, so probably I would be aiming for the income I'm on at the moment. So so pretty much like a, a six-figure income of some sorts because my lifestyle right now is sort of carefree in a sense that well, we don't live extravagantly by any stretch, uh, but we do – I guess, just, oh, want to buy that? Oh, we saw that on special off the net. All right, cool, just go buy that. Or right now, the perfect example, like, um, uh, I don't see Park. Uh, we bought the tickets um, and don't have to worry about, you know, wanting to buy the exorbitantly priced lunches here. Basically, I can just buy it and not really think about it sort of thing. Basically, I, you don't, want, I don't want to be in a situation where um, if I'm not working um, – I don't want to have to worry about money. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about um, or having to my, rely on my kids to support me or whatever. But like I want to be able to, um, by the time I retire, whatever that is, um, live comfortably and live, continue <laughs> living the lifestyle that I'm living right now.
1: So let's break down what your final 20 or 30 years are likely to cost. Obviously, there's lots of variables here. Do you have kids? Are they still at home or are they self-sufficient? Do you have a mortgage? Is it mostly paid off? To make it a little bit easier, Andrew Podger breaks retirement down into three stages.
2: The first stage is very active retirement. The second stage is less active retirement. And the third stage is when you're likely to require some considerable care. Now, not everybody goes through that third stage. But in broad terms, you can think of those three stages. The evidence is that your consumption needs in retirement really don't need to go up in real terms. They need to be broadly kept in line with prices. But the chances are you will spend more during your active years, less in your inactive years. And so long as you can rely reasonably on Medicare and aged care from government, uh, the costs in your final years from your own Uh, savings are not likely to be higher than they were in earlier years.
1: Although I was having an interesting conversation with my mother last night, she's in her sort of mid-late 70s, and she was talking about her health costs, which have gone up a lot. Her consumption costs haven't necessarily, but definitely health has.
2: Yeah. So people do, particularly people who are looking to have health support beyond what Medicare provides, They're going to have to have their private health insurance cover and there may be more out-of-pockets associated with that. So the evidence is that people do want to keep some of their savings in retirement for the contingency of the risks around health and aged care. Uh, But what we need to clarify to people is it doesn't have to be a huge amount. I mean, if governments guarantee that there will be a Medicare in the future and that aged care is going to be if anything, better than it's been in the past, you still might want to set some money aside for the likely co-payments, but you don't need to hold a lot of money for those risks. But those risks are sensible risks to take into account.
1: I put out a question, Andrew, on Twitter, which was, how are you going to retire well? And a lot of people effectively put their fingers in their ears and said, la, 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 la. You know, they said, I don't want to know about it, more or less. What advice do you have for people who feel like retirement is something they don't want to think about yet, whether they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s? What would you say to them?
2: Well, I can understand why it's all, uh, you know, so far off, it's hard to put your mind to it. But if you're young, I guess my advice would be Pay your superannuation guarantee. Don't look for ways to take it out. Don't look for ways to say that the, 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 what the government allowed people to do, pull money out for COVID. Don't do that. Because the money you put in when you're aged in your 20s is the money that's going to compound interest the most. Uh, you don't have to worry about too much about have I put in enough, but at least make sure you're putting in the superannuation guarantee. If you can put a bit more aside, well do so. When you start to reach your age into your 40s and for a lot of people that's when the kids are starting to become a little bit more independent, you're starting to say, well, maybe I start to look more carefully at how much my savings are going to look like and do I need to supplement those with my own contributions above what the superannuation guarantee, and I think it's sensible for people in their, particularly when they get into their fifties, and you know, kids have left home, uh, they're not a major burden on you. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to supplement, but only do so if, in fact, you no, know, the calculation is that to retire with the same standard of living you want, uh, requires you to put a bit more money aside.
1: We hope they've left home, Andrew. A lot of them are staying forever. (laughs) (laughs) The reality is that a lot of people will never earn enough super to fund their own retirement. And that's where the age pension comes in. But even that's complex and not the safety net that it ought to be.
2: We all expect the age pension to be adequate. That is, it provides sufficient protection against poverty. Um, But there are some for whom it's not. Uh, The two examples, the main one is those who are renting privately, the rent assistance is very limited. And all the data shows that older people relying on the age pension who rent are by far the most disadvantaged. And there is a strong case to do something about improving rent assistance. The other gap in the system, in the, in the poverty alleviation system, is people who are forced to retire early. Uh, they can't find jobs, so I'm talking about the new start group of people. Uh, and of course, new start uh, is substantially lower than the, than the age pension, and a lot of people can't get the age pension. You know. Well, they can't get the age pension until 67 anyway. So, in the period before that, they're relying on on new start, and that's pretty pretty darn tough. Now, there are arguments about what the new start level should be, but at the very least, we should be looking at how do we handle those people who are over, say, 55 who have been unemployed for some time. How do we ensure that they actually have adequate support? So, I just think that while we're mainly focusing on how do we make the superannuation system work better. We've got to remember there are still a significant number of people who are heavily reliant on the age pension. And if you own your own home, it's fine. If you don't, it's not enough.
1: Okay, then, what's the moral of the story? Retiring well is a privilege? That's pretty grim. I guess if you have the means to top up your super, every little bit counts. And until the funds start making your super statements clearer and giving you that breakdown of funds in the context of a fortnightly income across 30 odd years, maybe you need to get a better grasp of it yourself. Maybe begin with this superannuation calculator on the federal government's Money Smart website. And if you are one of the lucky ones and you do have more than you need to get you through, Maybe treat yourself to a nicer lifestyle so you can make the most of your retirement. We'll talk more about that next time. Thanks for listening to Seriously Social. I'm Ginger Gorman. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you check out our website, seriouslysocial.org.au for more content like articles and videos on the amazing work of Australia's leaders in the social sciences. See you next time.